Before we start today's podcast, the Truth About Aging wish to acknowledge that this episode has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to the living Ghana people today. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hi friends, welcome back to the Truth About Aging podcast. Today is episode 22 which is a very special one for me because today I interview my mum. Now, she's not just on the podcast because she's my mum. She's also just an all-round legend but has 15 years' experience in positive psychology and in the kind of space of life coaching. So there's a lot of times that I've really leaned into her knowledge and wisdom in terms of how I can support some of my clients or family members when they age as well. Particularly as we age, it's such a time of adjustment and often a great time of loss that trying to find ways to refocus and look at some of those positives without dismissing the things that are hard can be really challenging for some people. So in today's episode, we really unpack what positive aging is, how anybody can do things to implement some things to promote well-being throughout their day-to-day life. No surprise that we talked well over an episode's worth, so this will be split into a two-part series. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I loved recording it, and this is part one of an interview with my mum. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So happy to be here. Full transparency from the top. Today's guest is no other than my beautiful mum. So mum, I'll get you to introduce yourself a little bit, but I guess really has a strong background in positive psychology. And given we've spent the last couple of episodes starting to talk about positive aging and things that people can do to look after themselves, thought it was the perfect time to drag you on board. So did Mm -hmm. you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, thank you. So excited to be on here, by the way, Kate, because (laughs) I've been loving your podcast. Yes, I've been a wellbeing coach or life coach for the last 15 years. And so it's been an incredible journey of getting to sit with people and hear their stories and I work with people from you know young through to quite elderly so I've got to know a lot about the way people think and operate and what helps them and um, what seems to help people thrive and in particular uh, as my mum has aged and as my mother-in-law who you know fairly recently passed and I've been with her I've taken you know quite a keen interest in how I can extend my knowledge and and qualifications and training in positive psychology and channel it even more into that positive aging space. 
which is such an exciting adventure. And I love pulling you into here and getting your two cents on things too. Um, So I thought we'd just start off a bit more broadly in terms of what is positive ageing? So I look probably rather than me, I'll I'll read to you um, the, the Positive Psychology Institute for Australia describe it as this because I think this is better than I could say it. Um, They say it's the process of maintaining a positive attitude, feeling good about yourself, keeping fit and healthy and engaging fully in life as you age. I think that just sums it up beautifully because it Mm -hmm. takes in the aspect of this attitudinal piece, which you and I'll hopefully talk about a bit more Mm -hmm. today, but it also talks about that. So that's the mental health side. It's got the physical health side in it. And this engagement part, this purpose and meaning. So it's a really rich description of the holistic approach to ageing well. Yeah, absolutely. Because as we know, it's so much more than just one of those aspects. It really is trying mm-hmm. to take that well-rounded holistic approach to it. So mm-hmm, no, I'm mm-hmm. sure we will unpack some of that today. But so mm-hmm. for for anyone of any age, what are some of the things we can be doing to promote our well-being? Okay, so it's it's a really relevant question, the fact that it's anyone of any age, because although there are changes in the brain in the various life stages, teenage years have the brain is slightly different to the adult brain, which is slightly different to the elderly brain. However, the most core primal functions of the brain remain fairly constant and that's the piece I guess that can help anybody of any age to understand is that from a I guess a a biological evolutionary perspective our brain was designed basically to keep us alive Mm -hmm. and to do that otherwise obviously if we didn't do that our species doesn't (laughs) yeah we're not going far (laughs) we're not going far so it's really important that from a survival perspective, our brain has what we call a negativity bias. In other words, a predisposition to hunt for or be alert for the bad in, and, and, and originally that might've been, you know, a saber toothed tiger in the woods, but today we carry that same predisposition of just being alert for what might be a threat to me. So because, because we have that bias, then we can tend to accidentally and quite easily and readily latch hold of or focus on the what's wrong and the bad mm-hmm. and we have to be therefore intentional to take our mind into the good and and I like to think of it about putting yourself in the driver's seat of your brain if you don't if you're not in the driver's seat and you're just letting it drive you 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 have a disproportionate awareness for the what's wrong but if you put yourself in the driver's seat and we can talk about how you do that Um, later but if you do you can intentionally keep your brain in this more positive and optimal functioning state Mm. so which I think is is probably even more important as we age and you know as we're aware of there's so many things that can be easy to focus on like losing your loved ones or losing your mobility or you know not being able to drive any longer or tasks and hobbies that you used to be able to Mm. do there's so many easy things that you could start to focus on as you're aging that Mm. I guess that just makes it even more important to know some of those those tools and strategies and things that you can do to refocus on the things that are still good Yeah, yeah, so well said. And it's not, I really want to be clear about this. 
I don't want anybody of any age, but particularly the older, to not hear this as we're not in, it's not an invitation to disregard your struggles mm-hmm. or your challenges. They are real. And the more that you can um, learn to sit alongside the awareness of pain or of either emotional or physical pain, the easier it is to accept it. So we're not, this isn't about going, you know what, suck it up. There's not really anything wrong and let's just yeah, smile it's not there. <laughs> and be happy. Yeah. So it's not that. This is about I have pain or I have loss and I also have this, this, this and this. So looking at the taking your brain into the other things that still remain that are real and more positive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I imagine there's certain things that we can be doing, I guess, at any age, but particularly as we're aging that we should be focusing on to really ingrain those methods or I guess Mm. ways of refocusing on the good, what are some of the ways that we can Mm -hmm. be doing that? Mm -hmm. Uh, Just just quickly before I answer that, you just said something that that triggered as a very good point. When you talked about ingrained, I know with my mum and your your beautiful (laughs) grandma, she she'll sometimes say to me when I'm trying to help her with some of these positive psychology tools and she'll say, Oh, don't give me your mumbo jumbo. I'm too old. I'm past this. My, no, I can't do this. I can't <laughs> picture like her saying that. Does no. <laughs> Love you, mum. But what, what I do want to say to that point is that through neuroscience now, we know that the brain remains plastic in the sense that it can be rewired at any age. It might be a little bit slower as we age, but it isn't frozen or stopped. Or you can, not only can you, but it's super important that you do continue to challenge your brain so the neural pathways continue to develop and grow. And that that's so good for our brain. But so these tools don't please don't think if you're like my mum that it's too late it's not going to make any difference because uh-huh. it's not it never is sorry that was a little digression no but. that's a very good point to make because I think I, I think there's probably some generational attitudes towards those things too that you know and potentially mm. people haven't had time to invest in well-being and mental health and mm. psychologists and things that we probably mm. do more so these days that it can feel either a bit woo-woo or that it's, you know, it's all too late anyway. I'm stuck in my ways and this mm. is just how it goes. So I think that's a really mm. good point to highlight. It, it really isn't ever too late to start and even no. just giving some of these things a go and practising them regularly can really help rebuild those neural pathways and make it yeah. over time like training a muscle, <laughs> training your brain yeah. to start seeing those things more easily as well. Yeah, yes. Yeah, hey, you're good. Where'd you learn that? Oh, I don't know. Just <laughs> learn it from someone. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, so back to your question. What can we do? Like there, there are, you know, literally hundreds of different things you can do. I've chosen to highlight maybe five of these that I think um, can just be most uh, easily accessed and broadly helpful. So, no particular order that like there's not a priority of this order but i to start with i find um the practice of gratitude is really really helpful for our brain so let me just explain that a little bit further what i mean mm-hmm. by that i spoke earlier about our brains 
negativity bias, this predisposition to notice the bad. So what we want to do is pause and intentionally hunt for things that are good in our life. And the most two most important aspects of this for it to be successful is one is it does not have to be a big thing at all. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to wait till um, someone's visited and brought you a bunch of flowers and you can be grateful for that. I'm talking everyday things to pause and notice I'm grateful that that new flower came out in my garden. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm grateful for the text message from my friend checking in yep. on me. I'm grateful for this beautiful cup of tea. Uh, yeah. Like so it, just everyday things. That's really important. The second that the thing though that actually makes it help from a chemical or biological perspective is it's imperative that we feel into that thing that we've just said we're grateful for. So if I said, you know, I'm grateful for a cup of tea and I'm just thinking that as a thinking exercise, you know, I heard this life coach chick on on this podcast and she said to be grateful for something. And so you just Mm -hmm. go, all right, then I'm grateful for tea. Yeah. That doesn't actually work. You have to actually feel into it. So we want to you want to think, yeah, I'm grateful for this cup of tea, but pause as best you can to feel into, wow, you know, it's really, this is so, such a beautiful flavour and it's so warm on this cool day or, or whatever it is or, you know, the fact you can even buy tea. You know, there's some people that don't even have a choice to have a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. You know, just feeling into that. Now, tea is probably a bit of a, not a really good one to start with you know a better example uh you get a bigger return chemically in your brain when it's about people especially things are okay but people give you a bigger bang for your buck so it might be you know just that your neighbor brought in your wheelie bin and Mm -hmm. so you can just go i'm really grateful that think about the fact they thought about me they cared enough about me to show that respect and bring my wheelie bin in i'm really thankful for that person being in my life so the important thing is they can be small and you need to feel into it yeah I think if also if that's something that you know for you is hard or if you're listening to this thinking of a loved one that you're trying to help do this it might be a nice conversation to be able to start with them too if you know your mum or your grandpa or whoever it is isn't naturally going to be doing these things or isn't Hmm. probably it feels a bit out of the scope of something they can do. It can actually be something that's really beautiful to talk about as well in terms of, Hmm. you know, let's talk about what was, yeah, what's something that you're grateful for today and how did that, how did you feel thinking about that and trying to engage people in that? If you know it's something that Hmm. they're just possibly not going to do on their own, it can be a really Hmm. lovely thing to share with people too. Totally. It's really quite bonding and connecting. Hmm. And of course, Use language that feels right to you. So you could say, what are you thankful for in your life? Or what went well today? You know, mm-hmm. it just just if you get to the end of your day every day and you just looked back over your day and just with the lens of, so what went well today? Well, my neighbor bought the wheelie bin in. That's the same thing as being grateful for. You know, really, it's yeah. just noticing the good thing and feeling into it. So use whatever language feels most right for you if uh, some people I know don't quite relate to the word gratitude so just what are you thankful for what's gone well what's the good in your life let's hunt for the good yeah absolutely and I think 
sometimes, particularly I know with doing this with my own clients, there's some that find it easier to come to those words and think about those things, Mm -hmm. reflect on it more easily than others. But I Mm. do find that even those that I think, oh, are they actually going to be able to do this or that they might not be really open to this, they can find something too. And it really is, Mm. I think, just that gentle encouragement and support to actually give them the space to reflect on that because I guess as we touched on before, this isn't really something, you know, my generation's grown up with journaling and meditation and (laughs) reflecting Mm. on these things. It's not something there's always had the space to do. So actually giving room for that conversation and allowing them space to reflect on that, most people can find something. And Mm. it's really beautiful, some of the things that people come out with. Oh, so true. So what you're doing from a brain perspective, as I said earlier, is you're causing it to hunt for the good because it's already hunting for the bad. You don't need to worry about that. And then over time, you'll start to develop some other neural pathways in your brain that notice the good. So the longer term flow on effect is it's not so difficult to hunt for it because now you're starting to have some pathways in your brain that are equally automatically hunting for the good. And you've already got the ones that are hunting for the bad. So it it develops over time. Beautiful. Now that's Mm. makes sense. Like a little muscle, you just got to keep, keep on training it. (laughs) Spot on. Spot on. Nice. All right. Number one, gratitude. What's number two? Number two is like having a purpose, finding your purpose. Now I say that word and I can even feel eyes rolling. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's a little bit cliche and everybody knows, oh, yes, it's nice to have a purpose. And I can tell you, being a coach, most people are unclear about what their purpose is. Mm -hmm. So I don't want you to think this, um, I don't want it to feel weighty or big or that you've got to nail exactly what it is. What I'm meaning here is what, what do you enjoy doing? So let me just take a little step back. Often, the lower we feel, the more negative things that are happening in our life, the more internal we get with our thinking. So we, we switch accidentally, switch our focus becomes more about me, me, me. Oh my gosh, what hurts now? Who else is going to leave me? What else, you know, blah, blah. And it becomes this increasing or can become an increasingly internal perspective. And mm-hmm. the more we do that, it is a continuum toward certainly a low mood and then eventually depression. So what what we want to do with this is shift our sights internally from being about what's going on for me to about what's going on in the world and how can I create a purpose in my life that helps others or helps, might not be people, but, but does something outside of me. It's getting my sights from being internally looking about this is wrong this is wrong to externally looking at how can I do something for someone or something outside of me so Mm. what's the purpose what's a greater purpose in your life in terms of helping whether that's the environment whether it's an animal whether it's often it's it's about another person can I knit some little beanies for the new preemie babies can Mm -hmm. I can I deliver meals on wheels if I'm still, you know, able to drive and active? Can I, if I live in a retirement village, can I gather old blankets from people that don't want them and take them to the local dog shelter? Mm-hmm. Just anything that is 
that feels aligned to what helps you feel good. We tend to have something, a little bit of a, a fire or a passion about something, whether it be it's the environment or animals or people or, you know, there's, there's something, big or small. Your, your passion, your purpose could purely be to cook a meal once a week for the person next door who is unable to cook for herself or himself. Mm-hmm. You know, so don't think huge, although you can, but think outside of me, what purpose do I still have to give toward others? Does that make sense how I've explained yeah. that? Yeah, no, I think so. I think from my experience, sometimes finding where to start can be the most challenging bit for people. Mm-hmm. And I think, I know I touched on this in another episode, but I think even just first reflecting on what you really enjoy, what your hobbies are, you know, were you a keen mm. librarian? Do you love gardening? Mm. Do you Are you passionate about pets and saving animals? Mm. And what, what really fires you up what do you like engaging with because there are Mm -hmm. infinite volunteering opportunities Mm. out there to give back Mm. and even linking in with your local council if you really don't know where to start they'll be able to set you up very quickly with different initiatives Mm. around your community that you can help with too but I think once you've found something that really resonates with you and connects with your values it's such a beautiful way to have that sense of engagement and purpose Mm. and, yeah, getting your view bigger than yourself. Yeah, 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 well said. Yeah, I've seen uh, some lovely vision of a person in a hospice in the final sort of months of their life and still knitting these little gloves they were Uh for disadvantaged children somewhere, I can't remember, but that that right to the end they felt Mm -hmm. purposeful so yes whatever it is that you're physically emotionally able to do doesn't have to be huge Mm -hmm. and I like your point about yeah what what has lit your fire before I didn't invite you to think right back to your childhood when you were a kid what were you what did you what brought you joy and how can you do that in an in an external way now Mm mm-hmm Yep, so true because it might not be something that you've connected with for a while but mm. it is still probably something under there that you would like to engage with again or that you can mm. really reconnect with. Mm. Some link back. If, it, if you loved it as a kid, you can reignite that. Yep, absolutely. Beautiful. Mm. So number two, purpose. All right, friends, we are going to be pausing there. I hope that you are enjoying today's episode so far. I think it's so interesting to understand more about the brain and neuroscience and the way that we can help rewire our brain to learn new things and train new neural pathways. It's just such an interesting field and I hope you take something out of today's episode. We will be jumping back next week with tips three through to five. And there's a lot more information in there that I hope is equally as helpful for you. So thank you so much for tuning in this week and we will have part two available next Wednesday. I hope to see you then. Bye.